Welcome to the Thriving Forward podcast. Now to introduce your hosts. Hi, I'm Megan Laspinera. I'm the founder and executive director of Kids Thrive 585 Inc. and a pediatrician in Rochester, New York. And I'm Sarah Collins McGowan. I'm also a pediatrician here in Rochester, and I teach community health and advocacy to pediatric residents. In each episode, we will speak with people involved in good works and projects in the greater Rochester area. We hope that by introducing you to these inspirational people and their stories, you will be motivated to learn more about these amazing organizations in our region and the fabulous people who keep them working. Hi, everyone. We wanted to let you know that this interview was recorded before the COVID-19 pandemic became widespread in the United States. We are now living through a time of anxiety, disruption to our daily lives, and uncertainty. We feel it is important to continue to lift up those whose work supports our community every day. As we move into and emerge out of the immediate health crisis posed by COVID-19, please remember that this pandemic will worsen the inequities our community already struggles with. The interviews we are sharing are with the people among us who will lead the way in addressing those inequities. Let them give you hope and inspiration. Hi, everyone. On today's episode of Thriving Forward, I'm here with Jan Schriefer from the University of Rochester Medical Center. Dr. Schriefer is the Director of Quality Improvement for the Department of Pediatrics. Hello, Jan. Thanks for being here. Hi. Thanks for having me. Um, so we'll start with an easy question. What's something that you've been into lately? Um, one of the things that I've been doing over the last six weeks is going to watch my daughter, um, who just started college, ski race for the University of New Hampshire. And uh, she's a Nordic ski racer. And um, I've been bringing food for the team. So that's one of the things the parents do. So I've been into studying recipes for what's easy to cook off the grid because we don't have any power at the venues. Oh, wow. So just learning about how to cook with the propane stoves and and um, what athletes competing in like a 20 kilometer race need to eat. And so that's been my life for the last six weeks on the weekends and it's been really great. And we have four athletes from her school going to the NCAA finals in wow. Montana next week and I'm actually going to watch them. So that's really great. exciting. <laughs> Um, any any like favorite recipes that you've discovered so far? Um, I think the ones that sell the best are um, burritos, which they cook with like a rice and beans, and um, then they toast the the tortillas mm -hmm. on a grill and roll it up in like a foil, and it's just really easy for the athletes to carry that around and has like the right balance. The cheeseburgers have gone over very well for the non-vegetarian. And then soups um, with like pasta and, and chilies are really popular, macaroni and cheese. And it's pretty easy to cook off the grid, which I hadn't really done a lot of camping. So it's been fun to learn that process. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you wear several different hats. Um, and so I thought maybe could you start a little bit about talking about your role within the Department of Pediatrics? Um, I think like in the medical world, sort of the term quality improvement has a specific meaning. But for people who are not, you know, steeped in that every day, it's, it's a little bit of a you know, a vague term. So maybe you could start by talking about that a little bit. Sure. Um, I started my um, quality improvement career back at University of Vermont um, right after I got my MBA. So I was a surgical ICU nurse there um, specializing in trauma um, care and, and post-cardiac surgery. And then when I got my MBA, I quickly um, was moved over into the finance and administration 
aspects of University of Vermont, and they had a pretty robust quality improvement program. This is back in the 90s, working with the Institute for Healthcare Improvement, which is based in Boston. And we were one of the, the leading sites um, there. And then another quality improvement group that was founded in Vermont is the Vermont Oxford Network. Um, I've been a consultant for them since um, 2002. And um, that was started by a neonatologist in Burlington. Um, now it has 1,200 NICUs worldwide doing quality improvement. So what we do is essentially look at our outcomes of care, um, complication rates, morbidity, mortality, which is more like the um, clinical terms, mm -hmm. and we figure out where an organization maybe isn't performing as well as they um, could be compared to like peers. And then we hone in on whichever area um, each organization might need to work on to become more of either a top performer or um, improve their, their um, care and reduce their complication rates. And then what we do is um, create an interprofessional team that cares for um, patients around a certain either diagnosis or complication, bring that team together, and then use the literature to drive what we call rapid cycle improvements. So they're rapid tests of change. They're not like research protocols where you have to go through IRB. It's more looking at the literature and saying, what does the literature tell us we need to do to reduce surgical site infections or chronic lung disease? And then we try to do rapid tests of change that are driven off of the evidence. And, um, and the multidisciplinary team is really important because it's all of our care is provided in a team model. And um, so you need the whole team on board. And um, so we ha we'll have teams with respiratory therapy, pharmacy, nursing, physicians, NPs, PAs. And um, one of my favorite things to do is involve families and patients on the team. So we've had a couple of teams here that have had family advisors. We actually are presenting at um, Pediatric Academic Society. Um, with a project that was really led by a resident and a family advisor um, in the hospital medicine area. So I'm really excited about that. And I know with Jennifer Johnson coming on board, we're going to try to get more families on our quality improvement teams because they really are the ultimate customer. And we want to make sure whatever changes we're making work for the family. That's really neat, uh, taking that lens of, you know, looking with the, with the family. Because you're right, I think at least up until recently, they've often been sort of left out of that conversation. We figure as long as we're doing the right thing, it's yeah. it'll be good for them without really kind of taking into consideration what the family experience is like and what they're hoping to gain as well. Yeah, and, and I really have to credit Vermont Oxford's um, family um, advisor model. They have, at our national meetings, they'll have 50 to 60 family advisors there. Usually they're... Um, Travel expenses are paid by the hospital that's sending them. And um, the one thing we've really tried to do is make sure the family advisor is not a, a hood ornament, we call them, where they're just like on the QI team, but they're actually either helping to co-lead it or um, very engaged, active members. So I always try to start quality improvement meetings with the family giving us some input on how we're progressing rather than having the physician that in a hierarchical model might be the one to do most of the, the speaking. And, and if there is a poster presentation, see if the family can do the presentation rather than 
going down our hierarchy um, that we typically will be like, oh, the, the physician is going to present, try to get um, people who might be in lower levels of the hierarchy traditionally to present, and um, I think the family's the most important voice. So, yeah, so it's been fun to see um, how much the Institute for uh, Patient and Family-Centered Care has really informed places like Vermont-Oxford, Institute for Healthcare Improvement, um, NICHQ, which is a, another um, national um, committee for um, child health quality. So all of those have really learned from Bev Johnson at the Institute for um, Patient and Family-Centered Care, and we're really making progress in that area, which is, is great. How did you first get interested in doing this kind of work? I think when I was in the um, the MBA program, it was a great combination of I was taking care of um, patients in the surgical ICU at University of Vermont and um, mostly um, either doing trauma or um, post-cardiac care. And one of the things I saw when I was getting my MBA, I was um, doing quite a bit of clinical at the same time. I saw us doing practices that I just thought were totally illogical. So um, a patient would come back from the OR and they would say, okay, you need to give them drop like, you know, four vials of 10 milligrams of morphine. And so when they start to wake up, give them morphine to put them back to sleep. And I just thought that it was, it was crazy. And um, cause I thought, well, don't we want them to wake up and start moving and, you know, um, seeing their family, like the family wants to see them awake, not on the ventilator. So um, my first thought when I was finishing up my MBA is I need to change this model for the way we manage post-op open heart patients. And I talked to a friend of mine who is a respiratory therapist and I said, do you think we can, you know, maybe use some other drugs that aren't sedating? and um, talked to anesthesia, and everybody was like, absolutely. Everybody kind of knew we needed to make the change, but it's hard to change the process, mm -hmm. especially waking people up who've just had a major procedure. So um, we developed a protocol around that, and that was my first quality improvement project um, when I finished my MBA. And um, we used the evidence. A lot of other places had done early extubation and um, used their protocols modeled off of other top um, heart centers and had a big multidisciplinary team. I think our pharmacist was probably one of the most important people on that team because you're having to give up the morphine and replacing it with drugs that were not sedating. And um, we just started off slow. And in um, that project, we ended up having really great results. And it won um, the USA Today Rochester Institute of Technology Quality Award, which we didn't expect. And we ended up on the front page of the money section of USA Today with our whole SICU care team, anesthesia, RT, pharmacy. We got flown to DC and I was like, this is really cool. <laughs> <laughs> I thought quality improvement is pretty fun. So that was my first project. It was probably one of my best and all the ones I've done since have been modeled after that. You know, really pretty large interprofessional team that is very careful about our interventions, that they're evidence-based, and that we don't try to make them too fast. So I think one thing I learned early on in my quality improvement career is just take it slow. Mike Leonard, um, our chief quality officer, always uses the term baby steps. So don't try to revolutionize 
a change overnight, but do I, I always like to recommend like make one change a month, and then you can plot that on your annotated run chart of your with your outcome. And um, that model served me really well in quality improvement, where you're not you're not trying to upset too many of the structures too quickly, and you just kind of make one little change each month, and by the end of the year, you can see some pretty transformative things and you learn with each improvement cycle so yeah so it's just been really fun and I've been you know have never strayed away from quality improvement and and gone down kind of the research path because it's just fit for my personality and and been a really rewarding career yeah I think that's kind of a great lesson for a lot of things because I think you know the crux of it sort of behavior change um, that's the toughest thing you're asking people to do, right, is to change something that's sort of ingrained. And so doing those baby steps a little bit, nothing too overwhelming, makes a lot of sense it, for yeah. approaching, um, approaching it, but getting, at the end, a, a big change that happens. Right. right, yeah, I think one of the one of the things that happened here was with Steve Cook's Obesity Prevention Project that was funded by the Greater Rochester Health Foundation. And we did the drink displays, which you might have remembered, mm-hmm. and, and it was so fun to... Um, see how each pediatric practice in the community did a different spin on it. So we would go and visit and take pictures and, and see how everyone was educating families on sugar-sweetened beverages. And it was just so cool to see how those beverages really are less present now. So that intervention worked, but each practice had such great creativity around how they did the displays. Each one was different. So we didn't we didn't get too prescriptive mm-hmm. and and they had fun with it and i loved i, I had my um, kids going to elmwood pediatrics and every time i went in and saw that display i was like this is so awesome it's like simple intervention that i think has made a system change in an important um, part of obesity prevention in our community and it was very organic and kind of like a boutique at each practice so really fun example of um, some great quality improvement work here in Rochester out in the community. What advice would you have for somebody who's interested in doing this kind of work or interested in getting into quality improvement? I think um, I I get that question all the time. So I would say probably three or four times a week, I'll have either a nurse practitioner, a resident, a fellow, an attending ask me that. How do I get my skills up? So what I usually recommend is um, starting with the IHI, Institute for Healthcare Improvement modules, that um, there's 10 of them that are like a quality and safety certificate. So that gives you like an intro to quality improvement. And they take anywhere from, it depends on how quickly you, if you could sit down and concentrate on them, but they're basically video and PowerPoint based modules that just give you the background on improvement science, which is the new term that they're using now. So people are drifting away a little bit from QI or quality improvement and using more improvement science. I'm not quite sure why, but <laughs> I'm okay with the, you know, the acronyms change over time. Mm-hmm. Um, so the IHI modules are great. At University of Rochester, we have the Lean um, training, which is Lean Six Sigma has come from manufacturing, and we have a great operations excellence program here within the University of Rochester that John Lamphere runs, and they're short, like two-hour classes on 
you know, things like doing uh, flow charting, cause and effect, run charts, so some data skills, um, some team building skills. So that is a, the lean modules are great for people within URMC, but anyone from the outside is welcome and certainly could contact me if they want to get um, into those classes. We welcome community folks to come in. And then they have the Rochester Improvement Science Education program going on now. Um, Bob Panzer and Mike Leonard lead that with a lot of our leadership and administration. And that's a 10-part um, series. They're two-hour classes spread over a six-month period. So it's called the RISE program. So that's a great program. We have had people from RGH or Rochester Regional come and attend that, which is great to see us collaborating mm -hmm. on um, improvement science. And, um, and then there's also through the Greater Rochester Quality Council, which I just joined the board um, for that organization. It's part of the Chamber of Commerce. They have a Quality for Leaders course, which is a half-day course. Um, there's a small fee um, to do that, but um, really great. A lot of lean tools, quality improvement tools. And um, so that GRQC is another great local resource for, for learning QI. How should somebody get in contact with you or if they want to learn more about you? If you, um, the, probably the easiest thing, I usually just tell people to Google Jan Schriefer and it's S-C-H-R-I-E-F-E-R. And my first name's J-A-N. And if you just put my name into a search engine, my faculty webpage comes up first. And um, that has my phone number. Um, and I'm also at my email is jan underscore schriefer at urmc.rochester.edu. So either of those work. And, um, and I'd love to be a support and resource for anyone in the community interested in quality improvement. Great, and we can link to those things too um, from the website. So. Absolutely. Perfect. Um, what's a community organization in Rochester that you think people should know about? Maybe that you've worked with or just that you're a fan of? <laughs> well, it, it's funny. It was just about a year ago that um, Jeff Kazarowski reached out to me and um, he asked if I could get involved in uh, working with Rock the Future. Um, to provide support about quality improvement and um, figure out how we can better link Rock the Future with the resources and assets of the Department of Pediatrics and um, the university. So that's been a really fun project, working with Jackie Campbell and um, Sean Nelms and um, Camille Simons, who's their director of quality improvement at Rock the Future. So um, I was really impressed when I first met them. They didn't really need a lot of help from me because they had done the GRQC course. Um, Camille's done the RIT lean education course. So she's a very skilled quality improvement practitioner. So I basically um, just gave them some ideas of how we can utilize some of the URMC tools and resources and augment what Rock the Future is doing, but they've really taken off with it. They, um, yeah, they have their outcomes teams that are very effective. I attend a lot of them either at Rock the Future, um, the schools or the Children's Institute. And I've just been super impressed with how robust the improvement science work is that's going on out in the community with people like Dirk Hightower. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of that has really been helped by our link um, to folks that were quality improvement experts, either at Xerox 
Kodak, a lot of them are now um, supporting community-based organizations, which is so great to see. They may be retired from Xerox, but they take their um, quality improvement expertise out into the community through their volunteer work. And it's just really neat to see that giving back from our organizations that did a lot of quality improvement and quality assurance work um, in their production areas and applying it. So one of the things I'm getting to do in the next month is um, be a reviewer for the quality awards through the Greater Rochester Quality Council. So I'll get to go see how other organizations do quality improvement. And, and we won the, our asthma team here won an award last year for GRQC. And I learned a lot from listening to the folks at Gorbel, which is a crane making company, but they had the coolest strategy map of how in one page they can show, show people what they do. And so we're trying to apply that Gorbel model of strategy map to our, um, our strategic plan here at the, children, the Children's Hospital and, and the Department of Pediatrics, just to have that, that one page of this is where we're headed. And um, there are some great resources um, for the Department of Pediatrics strategic plan. So if people just Google that, um, they'll see what Pat Brophy has designed with a large team of um, interprofessional team to really transform the, the department. And I think what's so amazing about what Pat's doing is he values the community partnerships and linkages more than any, any um, department chair I've ever seen. And I think it's so powerful and I can't wait to see where we're at in five years because I feel like we're all going to be one big team around kids and families in Rochester. So I'm really excited um, to, see, and we are going to be presenting um, that work at Pediatric Academic Society and um, have a manuscript that is going to be coming out on really Pat's vision of applying quality improvement to strategic planning, which hasn't actually been published on a lot. So we're excited to have that come come out and um, Katie Stevenson um, who's in the um, Mark Taubman's office has been instrumental in helping the department write the strategic plan and then Pat and Jeff and the other vice chairs and goal leaders have been really patient with how we apply improvement science to rolling out the plan and a lot of it is for the benefit of the Rochester community and kids and schools and families. Yeah it's, yeah, it's a really exciting time, I think, around that synergy between the medical centers and the community, and it just, it, it feels like things are happening so much in that space right now. Right. Well, and isn't it funny, like, the now that the university is the biggest employer, it's, you have to fill the shoes that maybe a Kodak or a Xerox used to fill, and um, I just think it's great. We really do owe a lot to our community. And we're all part of it, so the better we make it, the better it's going to be for all of us. So, yeah, I think I'm just so glad that um, I moved to Rochester. It's, it's just an amazing town. The university's incredible. And, um, yeah, it's pretty inspirational to work here. Yeah. yeah, which is a great segue into my last question, which is what's your favorite thing about Rochester? Let's see. I think um, my favorite thing is um, I actually... Um, had worked on farms growing up and um, both like crop farms and then um, some animal farms. 
So um, one of my favorite things has been the amazing integration that Western New York has with agriculture, and I'm sure a lot of it's driven through Cornell. So um, one of my favorite things is just um, going down towards the farming area. So I um, live pretty close to Menden and um, have spent a lot of time working on farms in Menden and Honeyoy Falls. And then um, I actually have um, three sheep at home and we have just like a small um, kind of a hobby farm. So I, I think what I really love about this area is the respect for agriculture and being able to feed people, which I think is really important and do it in a sustainable way. So I love that um, Rochester is a really big um, producer of healthy foods and um, the way that it's kind of well integrated into our whole region. So it's, that's probably been one of the most fun things that, um, that I've done since I've been here. That's a great answer. <laughs> um, well, thank you so much for talking with me. This has been really fun. It's been wonderful to meet you, and hopefully we can work together on some quality improvement. I hope so. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Thriving Forward podcast. This podcast was brought to you by Kids Thrive 585 Inc., the Huckelman Center at the University of Rochester, and Rochester Regional Health. To learn more about today's guest, head over to kidsthrive585.org and click on the podcast link. See you next time. The views, information, and opinions expressed on this podcast are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of their employers or funders.